is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, live from our headquarters at Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show. I've been on the radio now in my 30th year in Kansas City, 40th year of work as a sports psychologist, and enjoy doing this show with you every week as we talk about you. We talk about your mind, your attitude, your focus, your game plan, how do you handle winning and losing, how do you deal with sportsmanship, you know, sportsmanship, yeah, what is that? Probably the most important thing out there if you think about it. What about confidence? What about mental preparation? The whole psychological aspect is what we talk about on this show. And we have guests and take calls and get into discussions with you. Our show is rebroadcast throughout the country in a number of cities. It's also podcasted all over the place. So you can uh, hear it on all your podcast apps. And, and, you know, I love doing this show because we talk about you. And I've been in practice, as I said, for 40 years working as a sports psychologist. And the reason I got into this profession basically is to help people. And that's what this show is about. It's about helping you. And this past year, and we're basically going on almost a year now, we have been going through hell. I guess that's probably the best way to put it. Our lives have been turned topsy-turvy, upside down, inside out. How do we deal with this? How do we do this? Do we go here? Do we go there? Do we be around people? Do we not be around people? We're finally, finally at a point now with this pandemic crisis where I can see a light at the end of the tunnel. It seems like finally we're getting this thing under some control. The numbers are going down in terms of infections and deaths, thank goodness. We're starting to see life start to open up just a little bit. Thank God for the vaccinations. People are getting those. I've had both of mine. And I know a number of people, of course, I'm 66, so I'm in that generation where I could get it. A lot of people are getting it. And there is hope for us to get back to life again as we knew it. And, of course, it may be different. But nonetheless, we're going to go back to life. But, however, in the past year, it has been a crisis in addition to just the personal crisis of people losing their family members and not being able to socialize, not being able to go to school, not be able to go to work. Kids have struggled for a variety of reasons, not being around their friends, not being in school, but when it comes to sports, it's been a terrible crisis for youth sports. Athletes haven't known what to do. It's been a yo-yo. Will we be in school or not? Will the season be canceled or not? Will we get to play our games or not? What's going to happen? 
Well, joining me today is Michael Seeley. He's a marriage and family therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's been on with us before, and we talked uh, via emails the past couple weeks, and Michael wanted to come back on and talk about this, and I'm glad he's with us. Michael, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Dr. Jacobs. Great to be here. Wide awake? Out in the, uh, it's uh, Wide awake, sir. Just after four, your time on the West Coast, so thank you for getting up so early. Um, Absolutely. You know, you were on with me last summer and we talked about a lot of these topics and obviously we've we've gotten to a point now where sports is back youth sports is starting to open up again people are starting to get the opportunity to play in some situations but i want to get your take just on the whole situation the clients you've seen the people you've talked to just how do you feel people are doing with everything right now yeah you know um athletes that I work with and also just uh, clients who are non-athletes, um, you know, people are still struggling with this, uh, especially in California. There's some more, you know, little stricter uh, restrictions. What I'm seeing really a lot, especially with athletes, is, you know, athletes are notoriously hard on themselves. Um, they can be their kind of their worst critic. And I've been seeing right now with this protracted uh, shutdown of, uh, you know, sporting events, especially in the schools and the high schools, is even some of the optimistic athletes who are pretty resilient are really struggling right now. Um, they, they, I've been seeing what I, what I call like a, um, an activation of the inner critic. So we all have you know, an inner critic, and the athletes are, are kind of searching, still searching for some type of control. And they're, they're confused of, like, why am I not feeling optimistic right now? Why am I... Why is my motivation low? Why are my, my times slow? Why am I not on top of my game? I should be. I should be, you know, stronger than this pandemic. I should be able to handle all the canceled sporting events. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of kind of self-blame right now, and that makes sense because it's been going on for so long um, for some of these athletes. Are you so I'm see- seeing a lot of that right now. Are you yeah. seeing some people starting to come on and talk to you that, that they can see the you know the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel that there is some hope that maybe we can start getting back to doing some things again are you are you getting that into those conversations with people definitely you know i think um the tokyo olympics looks like the for sure for sure happening i think that's a huge beacon of hope um so definitely there's light at the end of the tunnel that's certainly helping but i, I think that people have been struggling with this for so long that they're kind of in a funk um, you know, some people are depressed, and it takes a while to get out of that, that state. So there's still people who are um, just kind of stuck right now still. Well, you know, one of the things that I have been an advocate of throughout my entire 40 years of work is visualization. And I, I believe very, very strongly in taking the time to try to visualize yourself when you're injured or when you can't go out and play, or even when you're healthy and you're getting prepared to play to visualize yourself playing. And with a lot of the clients I've worked with who haven't been able to go out and play, be able to compete, that's one of the things we've talked about is spend some time every day trying to visualize yourself in the game, in your competition, in your sport. And just picture yourself out there being out there. As difficult as it is to not be out there, at least you'll have the time to sort of see yourself out there and feel good about it. What do you think about that? I think that can definitely be helpful. I think um, with with any intervention, um, clinical intervention, it does depend on the individual athlete. I think that's that's hugely beneficial. Um, however, uh, a couple athletes that, that I've been working with, 
even even things like that, like they're uh, in such kind of a funk or or depression that even that is difficult. Um, so, so yes, I, I think it's a helpful tool. I think it's you know really important to just be. Uh, I tell you, really, the the starting point um, I think is just for athletes to be honest that. Uh, they are feeling bad, and it's actually okay to feel bad. You know, you do, of course, you want to be feeling better, but just simply normalizing that you're human and this is going to affect you can be a huge relief. It takes the pressure off of the pressure of having to feel good. Like I should be optimistic, and you know, the starting point is like, well, no, this you're human, and of course, is going to affect you. That really takes some of the pressure off of the athlete, and then that can be a window, I think, for using things like visualization um, when you can instill some sort of relief and hope uh, at the outset. Well, yeah, obviously visualization isn't the solution, but it's but it's a part of the of the yeah. plan, I think, that can help out. Joining me this morning is Michael Seeley. He's a marriage and family therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area. We're talking about coping with the virus, how you can get through it, how you can get ready to come back, and love to hear from you. If you're a parent, you have questions about your kids and their sports, their frustrations. If you're if you're an athlete and you're frustrated, love to hear from you. How are you coping? How are you dealing with the crisis? How are you planning to come back? Are you planning to come back? So many kids have lost time to play. And we'll talk about this as we come back from our next break. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Let's be honest, the National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. 
One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week discussing the mental aspect of sports. And my guest today is Michael Seeley, marriage and family therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's been kind enough to join us. Michael was on with us last summer. We had a great show and decided to come back on with us today and uh, talk about coping, coping with the pandemic, how you're getting by. And Michael, let me ask this question. Um, how have you helped out young people, because we've all had to do this, cope with losing playing time, losing their season, not being able to, you know, they're not going to get that back, especially, you know, high school seniors or kids at their last year in a sport. What have you been telling them? How, how, are, they, how are they getting through that? Yeah, um, you know, what I've been telling them, first of all, is, you know, I n- normalize their feelings. So I, it's kind of like a half internal, half external intervention. So internally, I've been working on them with just just normalizing the frustrations um, not taking it, not thinking that they have to have all the answers. Again, that can provide some relief right there. Um, working on, you know, the, the the internal criticism they have for for not feeling motivated for their their you know their sporting time is being off or performance being down is really um, giving them some relief there first off, uh, having some self compassion, and then you know externally uh, just getting really creative with them, um, thinking. You know, how can they maybe um, pivot and do, like, a, a different sport for a while? Say if they're, you know, a high school athlete and they're in a high-contact sport, obviously, 
you know, school districts have canceled a lot of these types of sports. Um, it's being practical. Can they pivot into a different sport for a while and kind of explore options there, stay fit, um, maybe do um, work on their personal best times, uh, things like that. So half kind of creative, practical solutions, and then half uh, working on the internal psychology has been fairly effective, I would say. You said something there that, that uh, clicked with, with things that I've worked with a lot of people on, and one of the things I always tell athletes is when you are in your sport, you need to be selfish. And not, not in the sense of being a selfish person uh, with your teammates, but being selfish with yourself in, sense, in the sense of when you're out there playing, you've got to focus on your game plan, your goals, your objectives. And this has been sort of a time where I've been sharing with a lot of clients the same thing. You know, what, what do you want to do? What do you need to get out of this? How can you get something positive from this? We all go through, obviously, trials and tragedies in life that take us up and down. This past year has been a yo-yo of that. And for me, the biggest thing is, what are you learning about yourself? And you mentioned the word coping. Obviously, how you've been able to cope with this has been so important. Um, so the anger that a lot of kids have had what have you said to them? And, and parents, what have you said to them about, you know, your, your son or daughter is going to their senior year in high school this past, over the past year, last, maybe it was last year, maybe it's now, their season's been taken from them. How do you help them get through that? Yeah, you know, again, just normalizing the feelings. Um, it's, it's okay to be angry. It's, it's human to be angry right now or whatever it is you're feeling right now. That can be that can be a relief to know that everyone feels that way. Now, of course, you want to be finding some solutions. So, you know, regarding the the emotion of anger, um, you, you know, depending on how you want to move forward, if there really is no practical way of playing sport, um, channeling that anger something constructive. Um, if there is, you know, say, for example, right now in California, the governor just gave uh, permission for a lot of sports to come back in, in the high schools. Um, and that was partially due to, I think, some parental pressure from a lot of the, you know, school districts. So that could be a way, you know, just being, making your voice heard if you're angry about stuff and um, getting a conversation going with the, the powers that be. That's, that's possible. Um, but yeah, you know, um, those, those two things right there is maybe taking some action or, uh, you know, transmuting your anger in, into something, if you don't have any choices, that, that can be helpful, like, uh, you know, like I said, pivoting into a different sport for a while or getting some mini competitions going outside of the, the arena, you know, in a safely, you know, in a manner that's safe. Um, that can be a creative thing to do as well with, with your anger. What about, you know, I think in relationship to, I think, what you're saying here, Part of this is, and I mentioned about being selfish, focus on personal goals. You know, take some time. Okay, yeah. what what can I do? I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, take some time to focus on what can I do to get better? What you know, Maybe I can't be with my team. Maybe I can't play my sport, but I can still train on my own. I can still do some things on my own. So what can I do to, to work on self-improvement? What do you think about that? I think that's a great idea. You know, as we know, sometimes a, a crisis can actually be an opportunity for growth. I mean, if you, if you can look for it and if you can see it, and because there's a lot of downtime right now, you know, maybe this is a, a great opportunity to do some career planning um, post-sport. Like, even if you're young, um, what do you want to do? Do you want to get into coaching later in life? Do you want to mentor 
a younger athlete. Like maybe this is a great time to to start that. You know, and just um, just to, just just, inter- just just yeah. interject. Excuse me. Just sure. along those lines, I've had I think about three uh, young athletes I've worked with who have said, you know, you know, Doc, one of the things, and, and they've all said it separately of each other, they want to go into physical therapy. You know, they're because they've been injured and they've had some time to rehab. It's really, it, it really increased their interest in physical therapy and, and the whole physical health aspect of, of, of their bodies. And that's been something that they've been, fo- a couple of them have really been focusing on. In fact, one's a college soccer player and she, she was going to go with a, a major of accounting and then she switches to physical therapy because her first season was taken away. So that's been sort of an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, you know, this is a, a time for people to reflect. And if you think about it, athletes often are so in their routines, uh, you know, season to season, that they, they don't really have time to reflect and, and do some, you know, some planning. So this is, a, you know, it's an opportunity to do that. Uh, so there's a lot of things athletes can do right now. Like I mentioned, um, when I work with uh, my athletes, I have them write a mission statement. Like, why do you do this sport? You know, beyond the... That's a great idea. That's normal a great reasons. idea. Yeah, and, and, and I think that can be really helpful, too. So there, there's there's time to, to pivot, be creative, um, and there's definitely opportunities for growth here. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is Michael Seeley. He's a marriage and family therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we're talking about coping with the pandemic. And since we're... we're Looking like we're on the downside of this and there's light at the end of the tunnel, the ability to start to come back and play sports, as Michael mentioned, in California, they're starting to let you sports programs start to play again here in the Kansas City area. That's been going on for a while. But there's still, I just had someone in yesterday who's a gymnast who had a meet canceled because a couple of girls on, on a competing team had COVID and so they had to cancel the whole competition. So that's still going on. So how you're coping is part of this. We'd love to hear from you. If you're a parent, if you're a coach, you're an athlete, how have you been doing with all this? How are you getting by? What things have you done psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally to cope with the pandemic, to get through it and be better off when we come back and start playing sports again? Love to hear from you. My guest is Michael Seeley, a marriage and family therapist in San Francisco Bay Area. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio.
Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports on this show. My 30th year work as a radio co-host or as a radio host in the Kansas City area. And our show is broadcast nationally throughout the week, replayed in a number of cities. And, of course, it's available on all the podcast apps. You can listen to these shows. I get emails from people actually all around the world listen to these podcasts. It's pretty interesting. I've had fellow in Estonia contact me, people in Australia contact me, people in England contact me, and South Africa. So uh, it's been very interesting uh, as as you know, technology has expanded, how uh, you get people all around the world to comment on things like what we talk about here. It's it's really interesting to do that. And 
Along those lines, our guest today is Michael Seeley. He's a marriage and family therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's been kind enough to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, well, actually earlier than 4 to be on the show. And I want to thank you, Michael, for, for doing that. The second time we've had it, you were on last summer, we had a great show. Um, we're talking about coping with sports today and getting getting through this virus and everything we've had to deal with. So there's a word that, that pops up a lot, and it's anger. Okay, a lot of people are angry and they're angry about things being taken away from them. They're angry about not being able to do what they want to do. What have you been working with people on with that? And I'm assuming you've had a lot of people bring that topic up. Yeah, uh, Dr. Jacobs, uh, definitely the uh, the anger is is something people are really struggling with, um, especially athletes and, you know, parents, athletes. you know, it depends on state to state. You know, there are def- different states in the country have uh, different restrictions going on, so there's uh, some variety there. But let's say, for example, um, the, you're up against a wall and there's really actually no way to play your sport in a, you know, a competition, you know, traditionally. Um, with that kind of situation, um, I, first, you know, first normalizing the anger, everyone's feeling that. That, that helps a little bit, kind of takes the pressure off. Um, but channeling that anger into constructive endeavors um, is, is really, you want to take that energy and put it into, into some sort of use. And the worst thing that you can do with anger is let it fester, let it stew. And it's either going to turn itself inward and get toxic or it's going to, you know, you're going to lash out and it's going to create maybe some family conflict, relationship conflict. You want to channel that anger into something so um, a couple things athletes uh, and parents uh, of athletes can do with the anger is um, help other people. Um, like I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, uh, mentoring. So if you're a you know if you're a high school athlete, can you find some way to mentor a, you know middle school athlete? Do that through your school if they offer something like that. Um, helping other people, volunteer work. Um, Things like that can really transmute the anger. That's one strategy. Um, changing up your sport, doing playing another sport that maybe um, has fewer restrictions, improve that way. But it just generally, don't want that anger to, to fester internally or externally. Uh, you want to you want to transmute it into a positive endeavor somehow. Marco's going to join the conversation. He has a question for you. Hey, Michael. Uh, thanks again for joining us today, um, this early morning. Um, you talk about helping others, and I think that's I think that's great. I think it falls into also respecting kind of others' decisions um, with relationships. As the world starts to open up a little bit more, in fact, in Kansas and Missouri uh, in particular, restaurants are going back to normal times, operating hours. People are going to be starting to kind of see now the opportunity to go back out and kind of live that kind of, kind of do the normalcy of life that we kind of w- were used to pre-COVID. But there's other people who have found a new normalcy and kind of accepted the world for what it is right now um, during the pandemic and kind of feel, want to be safe. Could you possibly touch on, you know, maybe kind of as we move forward now into uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, as Dr. Andy said, uh, Possibly, as some people, there might be more open to be going out and living their life as they want to. That's fine. That's perfect. There's other people, though, that maybe want to kind of take it slow, especially in relationships with friends, family, teammates, um, 
could you possibly touch on just kind of respecting others' decisions on when it comes to opening back up into the into this into post COVID um, life? Yeah, it's a great uh, great question. You know, it's um, everyone has their own personal comfort level about what's going on right now, and it's so important for all of us to respect each other. Um, a, a real common sort of knee-jerk reaction is to um, use the anger that we have to kind of blame other people or to be resentful of other people or, you know, saying, kind of blaming other people. It's, it's, it's common, it's, it's normal and human when you don't have control and you have out, the outside world, you know, imposing these things on you. There can be some infighting. So I really stress that, look, respect everyone's opinions and, and responses to the pandemic, to the to the shutdowns, and just respect each other. Uh, that that's a really big step right there. So, and then say if you do have, if you are very very cautious about getting back into the mix right now, you know that's that's fine. That that's normal, and don't feel ashamed of that. Don't feel like a wimp or whatever when you, you know maybe your best friend is kind of razzing you and saying, "Hey, relax." Like, just respect yourself. You have your own principles. And, and just be live your own truth, and and, and respect uh, and have tolerance for for other people as well. You just, you know, Michael, you just hit on the word respect, and of course that's been gone the last four years a lot in our society in terms of how people have talked about other people. And you know, I, I I hear all these comments from people insulting people, degrading people because they're doing this and you're not doing this, or you're supposed to be doing this and you're not doing this. It, it seems like that whole common decency has sort of disappeared in, in a lot of ways. How do you, do, you, do you agree with that? Do you see that as well? Especially in California, there's been so many, so I know so, I have so many friends out there who have, have been, you know, frustrated because they can't do things. And, you know, there's the blame game out there. Blaming doesn't accomplish anything. It's about moving on. And, and just, I mean, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, you know, it's uh, definitely seeing a lot of the, the blaming. The, look, you know, it's, it's normal for people to, uh, to, to channel their anger. If you're feeling uh, oppressed, I'll just call it oppressed, right? Like if your sport's taken away, if you can't dine in restaurants, like it makes you mad. And it's very normal for humans to try to find someone to blame. So this is happening kind of on a subconscious level. I'm not excusing people's behaviors, but I'm just sort of, normalizing the phenomenon is that people want to channel their anger in a certain direction and if it's even if it's misdirected uh so that's that's normal but just to realize that like maybe you said something to a friend maybe you're an athlete who who has said something uh to or maybe you're a parent who has said something mean to another family member uh and realize that look we're all under stress right now forgive yourself if you lashed out at somebody and if someone's maybe treated you disrespectfully having some empathy for just the situation that we're all in and again not to excuse someone's bad behavior but just to have a little empathy for just people struggling with their emotions right now and this is really the first time we've all had to deal with something like this so if it is a forgivable offense like seek to have compassion for other people who've kind of maybe uh, said something mean to you. That's that's a good first step. That's a great, great, great advice there. And you know, here here's the whole situation that I want to get into in our last segment after we come back from our next break. Here, the importance of mental health has been 
talked about much more so in the last year than probably ever in my 40 years of work. And forever on this show, on the different shows I've had on the radio, and I've been at this show here for 20 years, I've talked about how athletes are people. They have emotions, they have feelings. They're not any different than anybody else when it comes to that. They may be superior physically, and in some ways, psychologically, but they still have feelings. And the whole importance of mental health has been brought up by so many athletes. We've seen Brittany Griner, the great WNBA star, talked about mental health. We've had Michael Phelps talk about it. Numerous NFL players have talked about it. I want to get into that with you as we come back from our break here. I'm talking with Michael Seeley. He's a marriage and family therapist in San Francisco Bay Area. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 
This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And joining me today is Michael Seeley. He's a marriage and family therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's been kind enough to get up so early and join us. And he's been giving great advice and great great commentary on, on what we're talking about today, which is coping with life today. And Michael, we're both in the mental health business and I've been in my 40th year. You've been in practice a long time as well. You're a former professional cyclist. I worked with the Olympic cycling team, the, the U.S. Cycling Federation for eight years back in the 80s. Um, we understand in our profession uh, why athletes need counseling. It's, it's essential. And we're seeing today athletes come out and, and talk about their psychological struggles. Professional college athletes are talking about it. I've talked on this show forever. The 30 years I've been on radio in Kansas City, I've, I've talked and talked and talked about why athletes need to have, especially professionals teams, college teams, need to have mental health specialists on the team. And you know, when I, when I first started working back in 1981, I came back to, moved back to Kansas City from, from San Diego where I went to grad school, and I interviewed at four, four of the small colleges in the Kansas City area to work no one was, one school was a little bit interested, but not really. And one of the athletic directors told me, I don't believe in hocus pocus and witchcraft. We're not going to be talking to you. Um, that mindset has changed a lot, but not totally. And we're still seeing a reluctance. How can we encourage athletes to talk more? Because we're hearing so much. I, I keep hearing stories of high school athletes who've committed suicide. I just heard one this past week of a football, my sister who lives in Chicago told me about a star quarterback who is a college, high school quarterback, he was the star of their team, 4-0 student, jumped off a hotel roof and killed himself because of frustration. So what, what, what do we say to people and how do we get people to recognize the importance of all this? Um, the big thing is you're not alone. I think, um, you know, we hear tragedies um, in the regarding mental health and suicides, more often than not, there's this isolation that goes on. The person who's suffering thinks that they're alone, that there's something wrong with them, that they're, it's really just don't isolate. That's, that's really the number one thing. Um, if you are, say if you're excuse, excuse me, excuse me, let me, let me interject right yeah. there. And I, you sure. have hit that right on the head. Don't isolate. But the problem is, when somebody's depressed and somebody's down, they do isolate because they don't feel there's anyone there, there's anyone that'll care, they, no one's going to understand, right? And so then they, they do close themselves off. So what, what do you say to their friends, to their family, when they start to notice someone's doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So have that on your radar, um, especially right now. You know, we're seeing a lot more mental health issues. Uh, turn on your your empathy radar. So if you're if you're a coach, hey, really look for any signs of, of isolation. And you know, not even that. Be proactive. So if you're if you're a coach, or parent, or you know, an athlete, and you have teammates. Even if even if somebody you think is doing fine, oh, they're really they're tough. They'll be fine. They're 4.0 students, and they never you know nothing bad would ever happen to them. You know, 
be proactive and reach out anyway. It's so important right now for, I would say, especially for coaches to um, meet much more frequently with their athletes uh, via Zoom or whatever, or personal one-on-one five-minute phone calls, whatever. The more contact that you can have with your fellow human, uh, the, the better. And, 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 and excuse me, and, 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 and yeah. along, and along, if I want to jump in here, and along those lines, okay, and I've talked about this forever as well, have a meeting with your team via Zoom or FaceTime or, or in person, hopefully, where you talk about feelings, about frustrations, about stress, about anger, about what's gone on. Let the athletes voice it, share it. If they're depressed, if they've been down in the dumps, talk about it. Because get it off, get it off, out, express it, get it off your chest and realize that you are not alone, right? Do you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, if you're a leader, um, showing that role modeling, uh, talking about the difficult things, gives all the athletes permission to to talk about it. So uh, don't assume that people are going to come to you. Um, don't uh, skirt around the issue. Address it head on. Address uh, the, the big issue. Have, um, athletes look up so much to, to their coaches. I mean, it's just, I can't state that enough. Um, so as as a coach or a parent or as a leader in sports, really set the example. If you're a top professional athlete, set the example. Be a role model that, you know, it's okay to talk about these difficult things. In fact, it's really helpful to talk about difficult things, depression, uh, anxiety, suicide, all the super difficult issues. Uh, be a role model. Step up. And, and set that example that, hey, let's talk about this. And how about if, if you're the coach or the team leader, but, but specifically the coaching staff, have them talk about their frustrations. Because let's face it, coaches yeah. have been pretty frustrated too. So let the coach talk yeah. about, you know, I've been frustrated, here's why, here's how I'm trying to cope with this. Let's go around the room and have everybody talk about how you're doing. And, and basically, you know, when, I, when I've worked with teams – we will have, I've done this my whole career, I've had team meetings where I will go around the room and I'll have everybody speak. You know, some people don't want to say stuff, some people want to say a lot, but I've had many, many athletes. I, in fact, I remember a college basketball player, Division One team I worked with years ago. And the first session we had, one of the players was sitting in the back, had his hoodie on, pulled up all the way over his head. Uh, everybody went around and introduced themselves. This guy just said his name, wouldn't say anything else. Um, didn't want to participate. The next week, you know, we, we came. He, he The hoodie was at least off so I could see his eyes. Eventually, the guy started talking and then spent a lot of time with me privately. And and when we finished working, he came and gave me a hug. He said, Dr. Jacobs, he goes, I want to tell you something. He goes, the first day I met you, I thought this was, you know, just a bunch of BS. They want to deal with this and talk about things. Then I realized... I've got to deal with my feelings. And this guy went on to play professional professionally in England, in uh, Europe, not, not England, but in Europe and came back. I was at a soccer practice one day and I hear my name getting yelled. And this, this, I hadn't seen him in three years. He was back on campus uh, from Europe and I went over and talked to him and he said, you know, when I first met you, I thought this was so stupid. And now I realize it's so important to talk about how you feel. And and today more than ever, I think that's important, right? Don't you don't you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know that's that's a wonderful story. It, 
say if you're a, a coach, for example, and you have a you know a group meeting like that, and there's some some athletes who are maybe not vocalizing, and you think you're not getting through to them, you know you are getting through to someone. If someone's showing up, just showing up for a meeting like that, and just being present, that that filters in, and, and every athlete has a different style of expressing themselves. So uh, you know, for coaches, don't be frustrated if you're not magically making people feel better. Like, just be persistent and um, and reach out. And that's you know, that's a great story just told there. Well, thanks. But you know, and it it it, it stuck in my mind a lot over the years because this this young man, that first time he just had no interest in talking, and and then he realized I got to deal with this. And so we've got a, about a minute and a half left, Michael. What would be your message to people who listen going to be listening to this podcast throughout the world that you'd like to share with them before we wrap things up? Well, I would say my message would be self-compassion. Um, be kind to yourself, um, especially as uh, an athlete. We're so used to being hard on ourselves. That's what uh, that's sort of like the the kerosene that we use to really fuel us. And there's a time to just be kind to yourself, uh, let go of self-blame for being in, you know, uh, your performance being down the last year, let go, transmute the anger, um, just compassion for yourself, for your teammates, for other people in the world. It's a, a great time to have that Great, right now. Great advice, Michael. And if people want to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? Yeah, so you can just uh, Google my, my name. So it's Michael Seely, spelled C-E-E-L-Y. And um, you can also find me at uh, Sealy Counseling and Sealy Sports. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Go back, get some, get some rest, or uh, get on your bike and go on a ride, whatever you're going to do early in the morning. But thank you so much. You'll come on again with us, I'm sure. This has been a great show, and thank you so much, and stay safe. Thank you, Dr. Jacobs. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Our shows are podcasted everywhere. They're podcasted here at Sports Radio at 10 WHB on my website, winnersunlimited.com. If you're a high school coach, get your team, get some of your athletes to listen to the show, especially what we talked about today. It's going to help you out. You can always reach me at my office, 816-561-5556. Send me an email at drj at winnersalumna.com. Stay safe. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. 
And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. 